I am excited and so honored on International Women's Day to be speaking with author Abby Waxman. Abby has five published novels in The Garden of Small Beginnings, Other People's Houses, The Bookish Life of Nina Hill, I Was Told It Would Get Easier, and Adult Assembly Required. They're all wonderful, quirky, funny, smart, and moving books. And I have read every single one of them, Abby. So, you know, I'm going to start with something easy here. You know, since we're here on International Women's Day, no pressure, but, you know, any words of wisdom for women around the world? <laughs> oh, really? Like that, that, that's what you're going to open with? Um, uh, that's what you're going to open with. Any words of wisdom? Yes, wear layers. <laughs> wear layers. I think that's in comfortable shoes. Comfortable shoes and layers. <laughs> Um, it's uh, important to prepare for the weather to change. So I think that layers. Um, <laughs> and you know, that could be taken so many ways, Abby. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I mean, to be fair, if I can, now I'm going to riff on my own dumb answer, which is, you know, I you know what? That's an impossible question to answer. Do I have any advice for women? Um, I know I was, I was mostly being somewhat facetious there. So it's just, um, you know. I would say dress warmly and trust your gut. Mm, I like that. That would be uh, those that are two nice, two very important things. Yeah. yeah. Listen to that. Listen to that voice inside you that tells you if something is right or wrong, and then put on a cardigan. <laughs> That's my advice. Like it in some cozy socks <laughs> and some and some very cozy socks. The fluffier, the better. <laughs> Warm feet at all times. It's very important. You can't, your brain, cold feet, cold brain, right? You need to have warm feet to get your brain. Wow, that just, you just blew my mind there. I never really thought of that. <laughs> Maybe that's why I, I'm just, my feet haven't been warm enough. <laughs> Is it, honestly, if I can't, if I'm not, I realized recently, because I work a lot at a local coffee shop and the weather in LA has been unseasonably cold. Yeah, um, you even had snow, didn't you? Oh yeah, we had snow. No, it's been craziness. It's, it's ridiculous. It's not what I signed up for. It's yeah. not I'm not happy. It's not why you left England. <laughs> it's like, or even Northern California. Like I moved yeah. to get warm. Um, and uh, I realized that when I'm cold, I can't think straight. Like I just, I need to actually be genuinely warm. And that's not surprising. I am a mammal and warm. <laughs> I need to be warm. Otherwise my brain starts to be so distracted by the fact that I'm cold that I can't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so I, 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 that's my advice, somewhat facetiously, but also genuinely. Like, no, dress I, I think that those are both great things. And yeah. Yes, dress warmly and listen to your gut. Yeah, you hear that, everybody, all you women right, out there. Write <laughs> it down. So, you know, I was, you know, as I always do, I was researching, you know, before I got ready to speak with you that, um, you know, and I was seeing that your first book was published in 2017. Um, that was in the Garden of Small Beginnings, which I just, I loved that book. That's what made me fall in love. And I think I was a little late to the game because I think you had four books out when I discovered you. So I got to go right through all of them. But that's the best, my favorite feeling in the world. Is when yes. You book and you're like, that is awesome. And then you flip to the front and they've written like 18 other books. And you're like, and you're yes. Like, yes. <laughs> I am set. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing. <laughs> but what I wondered is, do you still feel the passion that drove you to write that first book? 100%. Wow, that's great. 
I'm always um, surprised by how incredibly hard it is for me to write a book. Like you would think it would get easier. And I always plunge in thinking maybe this time I will <laughs> learn from my mistakes and I will plot better and plan better and think about things before I start writing. Um, but so far, at least I, I make the same mistakes over and over again. I just plunge in and I write and then I'm sort of pop up and look around and realize I have no idea where I'm going and um, panic and freak out and start over. It's, it's, it's not, it's not ever been an easy process. This last book was maybe even the hardest. Um, Adult assembly required. required. And, and the one that I just finished, which is yet untitled. Um, Which you said will be out in about a year, right? It'll be out spring of 2024. Because this is 2023, correct? Yes. Last I looked, yes. <laughs> Falling as it does between 2020 yes. and 2024. Um, yeah. Um, it, you know, ideally you get better with each book, right? You get, you become mm-hmm. a better writer, you become a more efficient writer, you become a braver writer, um, you would think. But but actually I have found it's gotten harder with every book, Um not just because you want to push yourself to do better and so you edit harder and mm-hmm. demand more of yourself, but also because you can hear the readers breathing um, mm-hmm. and out in mm-hmm. the world waiting for the next one and you're like, I better better not let anyone down. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, you try hard. So, I know, I once, I have a, a good friend who's a best-selling author and I asked her, you know, as somebody who hasn't had that experience yet that keeps trying, but um, I said, what's it like to feel like to see your book on, you know, on the, in the window of a bookstore? And she said, it's great for about two minutes. And then that panic sets in of how will I ever top that? Right. <laughs> and it's no. just like, oh my God. Yeah. That is a, that is a very real thing. My, uh, my book, the Bookish Life of Nina Hill did, has done the best of all my books and I have had two books come out since then that haven't done as well and so the voice that I hear in the middle of the night is you peaked you're done (laughs) it's over right like that's as good as it's gonna get right so that Mm. that voice um is what makes you know makes it hard to start each time because you're like you you psych yourself out but Mm. but I always I mean to this minute I get so flipping I'm trying so hard not to swear (laughs) but the thing uh, is you know being British you're so charming when you do swear but I appreciate the effort that's right yeah I I think that the the radio station would not enjoy it that the amount of um the uh is I get so flipping excited um when I'm about to start a new book like I get very Mm. very very excited about it and I get and I and I've said this in other places that my favorite because people ask me what my favorite book is and it's the one that I'm about to start always because Mm -hmm. it's going to be the best one I've ever done and it's going to be this time I'm actually going to put all the words in the right places and I'm going to write better and more expressively about things that matter to me and I'm going to create characters that people fall in love with and you know it's going to be amazing and then you start and the whole process is then a gradual winnowing away of your hopes and dreams in <laughs> 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 the cold, hard sieve of, uh, of reality. Uh, and if you're lucky, some of it stays, you know, that you manage to create some things that you're happy with. Um, it's all a process of compromise. 
Um, mm. And I guess maybe you just, your my taste for compromise as I get older and more experienced in general, my uh, appreciation of compromise has diminished. <laughs> I'm just not, mm. not as interested in compromising as I used to be. And um, I try not to let myself be satisfied with the less that I used to be satisfied with, mm-hmm. uh, both professionally and personally. You know what I mean? It's a... Uh, yeah, yeah. Life is no, very short. I- might as well hold out. <laughs> No, I, I, you know, I, again, in, in, you know, prepping to talk to you, I, you know, I wanted to ask you, it's like, what do you hate about writing and what do you love about writing? And you've kind of answered those things, but, you know, it's, um, I often feel, and I don't know whether you feel, it's like, it's like the thing you can't, and I know this is a double negative, but that you can't not do. Right. It's like, no matter what, that there's this part of you that needs to express yourself through the written word um, yeah it, t- it turns out that that's really the only way that I can fully express myself um I just have come to realize in the last sort of year or so that that's how I process everything that I feel and think mm-hmm. is through the written word and I find myself writing extensive letters to myself to my friends to important people in mm-hmm. my life and these letters never get sent or shared necessarily, mm-hmm. but that actually it has now become such second nature to me to sort of engage my imagination through the physical act of typing, if you get my drift, mm-hmm. um, that it is almost not until I put you know, fingers to keys do I actually start to think clearly about what I'm feeling. Like I need that physiological activity in order to sort of connect with my unconscious that's what writing really is right is is being able to put yourself in a situation where you can sort of dump the contents of your imagination out onto the page and then arrange it Mm -hmm. Um, so uh for me that the love of that has never diminished The, the the those moments where you're in flow and you're just writing and time goes flying by and like that is the best feeling in the world bar none like that is still my number one favorite thing to do I often, you know, I wonder, you know, because the business of publishing has become so hard and so competitive and so tough. And I just wondered, um, how do you balance that? How do you balance the you know, the creative side of you and the business side? Because that's got to be tough. It's, um, yeah. Luckily, I don't have a very developed business side. So <laughs> I sort of I ignore it as best I can. Um, the Do you have a team that, you know, like between your agent and editors and things that are a good buffer for you from some of that, do you think? Or yeah, and I and I do, I mean, I'm I'm being somewhat flippant. I do worry about it. I just am aware mm. that it's not my area of expertise. Um I yeah, I have a I, I have a great agent. I have an amazing agent and um she worries about all of that stuff for me uh it doesn't stop mm. me from worrying but in general I worry um <laughs> I'm worried and um and of course I worry I worry about like I said I worry that my career is done I'm always I, although I'm not I've never met a writer who doesn't but I'm every time I turn in a book I'm I'm convinced that that's the last time anyone's going to pay me to write anything um, and that, like I said, that my career peaked with Nina Hill and that it's all downhill from there, which is fine because I, it was a good book and I like it. I'm proud <laughs> of it and it did well. And that's, it's all good. And lots of people love Nina. Um, and I also remember to be grateful 
for for what success I have had, right? Like it would be mm-hmm. a little bit um, rude of me to worry too much about future success when I've already had so much more success than most people get the chance to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel very grateful for the success that I've had already, uh, but I can't help worrying about the future. And publishing has changed so much in the last, you know, since the pandemic. Um, mm. It has changed a great deal. And, uh, you know, the more I worry about it, the less I can write. So I need to. I was I just going to say, yeah. Worry about ask. it and just get on yeah. with the, the writing. Like that's the, that's the important part. Mm-hmm. That's the theory, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as we, as we sit here on International Women's Day, I, I was wondering, because you have three daughters, that are uh, two are in in college, I think. And, yeah, I have and, a twenty year old, a nineteen year old, and a fifteen year old. So the older two are at university, and one is a freshman in high school. Yeah. So, um, and I and I was thinking about because I always think a lot about interview questions, and nobody ever asks men like, "How do you do it all? How do you balance it all?" Right. And and I just wondered if you know, is that something that that bothers you that they you don't know, that I mean do people ask you that a lot like, me that do get asked? or does it bother me that how, how do I uh, does it bother yeah, me that, that get asked? yes of course because it's it's bullshit but um <laughs> fucking patriarchy that I will <laughs> um but also I think it and I you know I would consider myself a feminist which is to say someone who believes that you know the work and effort of both genders should be equally rewarded and and supported mm-hmm. right in the general sense but that cuts both ways i feel like men um i know lots of men who shoulder a, a mm-hmm. unequal or disproportionate share of the domestic responsibilities in their family and they're mm-hmm. constantly you know sort of questioned for for that and I know, uh, that's so unfair <laughs> so, you know it's it's a unfortunately patriarchy is a scythe with two blades right mm-hmm cuts in all directions uh it's no better for men than it is for women it just looks better exactly. for because they get the shiny and we get the dull but <laughs> uh, but uh, actually it sucks for everybody it's not it's better when when we all get to play no that put perfectly abby because i feel the same way especially as as the mother of i have a daughter as well but i have two sons and a wonderful brother and a great partner and and i feel like yeah, it hasn't always worked out so perfectly for guys either. There's, there's, you know, I I wouldn't trade being a woman for being oh God, a guy no. for Are anything. You Are you kidding? No, absolutely not. No, um, I'm very happy being a woman. Um, I would never want to to not be. Um, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's. I think it's changing. I, I think it's changing a lot. I think that this kind of question won't, you know, won't come up in another 20 years. So mm-hmm. no, I I have great hope in the generations coming after me. And yep. I feel like um, you know, younger people have it, you know, a lot, a lot of things figured out that, you know, that it won't be, yeah, like you said, in 20 years they won't be asking a woman like, how do you do it all? And <laughs> Probably because they'll be scrabbling around on the sort of scorched earth, trying to find enough seeds to eat. And yeah, survive. that's true. So that's true. People, so as the earth dries, they're walking with a bucket of water that managed to find some. They'll be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe people used to have radio stations and ask questions." <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> but all that said, with having three daughters, do any of them express any interest in in writing and a creative pursuit for career? Um, yeah, the um, oldest one is at university studying illustration. So oh, nice. she's a visual artist. Um, the middle one uh, wants to be a child therapist and has always wanted to be that. So I would consider that pretty creative. Um, and then yeah. the youngest one is the one that writes, um, although she's taken she's not been writing much lately, uh, but she's the one that actually writes. And that's the thing. It's not, people ask me about being a writer and the sort of desire to be a writer. And the issue is not that you want to be a writer. The issue is that you can't stop yourself from writing. Like mm -hmm. that's the difference. If you can't stop yourself from writing, then you are a writer. It doesn't matter if you're published or not. You are a writer and there's nothing else you can do. Um, my youngest daughter is the only of the three that does that. Like I will, she will write and write thousands and thousands of words. <laughs> it's the other thing, like that you can only not stop yourself from writing, but once you start, you can't stop. It's a little bit like alcoholism, really. <laughs> I just have one. <laughs> more 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 words more words uh, just a little bit I'll, i promise i'll stop tomorrow i'm gonna stop after this one more chapter i promise um <laughs> i can quit anytime i want to but the um yeah the compulsion to write and the what we talked about earlier but the ability to process your thoughts and feelings through the medium of the written word is what makes someone a writer um, mm -hmm. not necessarily being published not necessarily completing a project even um but that's a writer someone who just can't do it any other way mm -hmm. yeah no I, I agree completely it's, um, I always joke that when I don't have a work in progress or a process I my Facebook posts get long and wordy or you know <laughs> just things like that the, the text my my uh, text habit is profligate like it is yeah I, I inundate people I care about with the written word and I'm sure it becomes deeply irritating oh, um, I'm one of those really irritating people who's who texts like multiple single phrases one after <laughs> <laughs> it's a habit oh <laughs> that's you okay so annoying and and in my head it's like I'll say blah 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 and then and then something else will occur to me something like blah 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 <laughs> it's like so fucking annoying and my kids do the same thing uh because they caught it from me and sometimes they'll be doing it to me and i'll be like oh my god this is just stop and then i'm like that is you you do that you know <laughs> they learned Literally. it by watching you <laughs> i broke it uh yeah so um i need i'm i'm the goal for goal for this year to send fewer texts and condense them into one big text rather than multiple small texts uh -huh. <laughs> my, goal, my promise for international women's day too. <laughs> so i want to because i think that this is something i know i struggle with and i think a lot of women do are you really hard on yourself um i think so um i think so I, and then i think i'm hard on myself for not being hard enough on myself right mm. so letting um, yourself off the hook I feel like I let myself off the hook too much. Um, I'm hard on myself and yet I have really remarkably low standards. So if those two things <laughs> are possible, if it's possible to have those two things coexist, they do in me. Um, uh, like I don't bust my balls 
a lot about work. Like I will write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. But once I'm happy with it, I'm ready to let it go. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm not a perfectionist at all. Um, as anyone who's ever been to my house can tell you, like <laughs> I, I live in chaos and squalor. Um, with well, you also of have not just the three children, but you also have a, a plethora of pets. And the, I do. It's I have a plethora of pet, pet, pets, even a plethora of pets. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm messy. Like I'm just a messy. Uh, I'm not a good. I guess I used to call it a housewife. I'm not a good caretaker of my house. I don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, so things I'm not I'm not house proud. And so <laughs> my house is messy. Um, I am messy. My animals are messy. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't. But but this is why I don't care. Like I don't care about it. It's not a priority. It's not a priority. And I'm. I find as much beauty in my overgrown vegetable garden as I would in its, you know, beautiful and organized rows of carrots. I would, I would mm -hmm. find both equally beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so I have low standards, but I actually encourage my children to have low standards and to be easily pleased, I think is the greatest gift that you can have in life. I am very easily pleased. There is a lot, a lot of things I find delightful. Um, I think, I think, boy, that I have to sit with that for a second because I think that that is everything. <laughs> it's like if we could learn, um, especially as women, to be more easily pleased, especially with ourselves, because I yeah. do think it's like this awful contagion that women generationally have had and we pass down that to be so hard on ourselves and to expect ourselves to be perfect at everything we do. Right. And it's not possible. It's and not possible, so, and you'll make yourself completely miserable while you're struggling. Exactly. Um, I said recently about something else, it is the struggle that buries the hook. And mm. that is the problem. It's not, it's not, you make it worse by fighting against whatever difficulty you're facing. Like there are certain points where you just need to accept and let go, and then mm -hmm. you can take the hook out of your own flesh. If you mm -hmm. struggle and struggle and struggle, um, you're just burying it deeper. Make it worse. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. No, I think that that's really important. And you know, there was something, and it was kind of the writer in me wanted to ask you. And this, it's sort of in keeping with this a little bit. That is because it's something I struggle with. Is it hard for you to be mean to your characters? Uh, yes, yeah. a, a general common complaint about my work is that the people are all too effing nice um, and that people are I not. I get that too. Yeah, that people are not mean enough to each other. And, and my response is always the same, which is I have to spend months with these people in my head, right? And I don't want to hang out with anybody I don't want to hang out with. And exactly. so I find it hard. I mean, and I do have difficult characters, but the kind of characters that I have that are difficult are the kind of characters we all actually know. So like the slightly toxic dickhead ex-boyfriend, right? Like mm -hmm. we all know that person or the, the relative who's awkward at the dinner table. Like, mm -hmm. That's enough. Yes. That's enough mean for me. Yeah. I don't actually need to have a serial killer in my head. Um, and I don't need to write about um, unrelentingly mean and horrible people. Mm -hmm. I know they exist, and there's a million of them in literature. And if that's what you want to read about, then there are plenty of ways and, and places mm -hmm. to read about them. And there are writers so gifted at, at writing that kind of character. 
and getting into the psyche of that character and maybe even revealing the humanity in that character. Um, I'm just kind of like, yeah, you're kind of an asshole and I just don't want you in my book. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't, I don't let them in. I don't let anyone in who I wouldn't hang out with. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a good rule to live by but no again abby is makes me feel better because i have heard the same thing it's like you know because i don't life is hard enough yes and when i that's and i think that's why i love crawling into bed with your books (laughs) because i'm not going to feel terrible you know when i close it for the night to go to sleep it's um, my goal the only what i want to achieve with my work is for people to read my book and to smile and to feel relaxed and easy and comfortable in their skin while they're reading. And then to close it and be like, that was good. And then hopefully learn mm-hmm. it to accept, right? Like mm-hmm. that's it. I'm not trying to change the world. Um, there are other people <laughs> far more qualified. I'm not trying to provoke anyone to deep thought or revelation. I am merely trying to create a brief respite from the unrelent- unrelenting boredom and ennui that is mm-hmm. you know, modern life. And I think that your books prove that that doesn't mean uninteresting or not entertaining. (laughs) No, I mean, I, I'm not an easy audience. And I mean, it's just, I've heard that about you. (laughs) Oh, I can only imagine the things that you've heard all the way out in LA. (laughs) But no, I think that there's so much to be said, because again, we live in such tumultuous times when there's so much tragedy all you have to do is turn on your tv it's like i don't need to see it that's why i am completely addicted to ted lasso it's like i like kindness and i like you know good decent people and this is why it's called fiction yes it's not not real if it was real it would be sad Um, exactly sad but uh it's not real it's silly um and uh yeah that's my goal yeah so as we we only have like five minutes left so I want to ask you a few quick things like what do you read what I read I read crime fiction almost exclusively I uh my favorite genre is golden age murder mysteries so Agatha Christie uh Patricia Wentworth Naya Marsh uh Rex Stout like the Nero Wolf books are my um soft fluffy socks of, of oh. books like I go I read them one right after the other and then I go back and start again um uh those but they're, they're modern fairy tales everybody you know mm. evil is vanquished good always triumphs uh there's always justice um and they're I don't know I just love them my mother mm-hmm. is a murder mystery writer or was while I was growing up and so that was what was always in the house and mm-hmm. there was um just she had a huge collection of of books and so um that's what I grew up reading and so that's what feels really comfortable to me mm. and then I read non-fiction as well um because I get nosy I'm very nosy <laughs> <laughs> so by so non-fiction like did you read the Prince Harry book no no I didn't okay I am not uh, I have nothing against uh Mr Windsor and uh, <laughs> I wish him all the very best uh, mm-hmm. in his clearly unbalanced family of origin oh my god <laughs> yeah no I've I've actually enormous sympathy for them I'm not a royalist but neither am I yeah. you know an anti-royalist I just feel mm-hmm. like the, the the really toxic family down the road that everybody talks about <laughs> um, 
it sounds like uh, the worst gilded cage. Oh, I can't imagine. I I don't like it when someone tells me that I can't have a sandwich. I can only imagine to to be told, to wake up every morning and be told what you're doing that day and to have no control over it, honestly, sounds like hell to Mm. me. Oh, I can't imagine. I I have a lot of, my nature is to be somewhat... um, independent like I like to have my own way have my own head and do my own thing mm-hmm. and I can't I can't imagine being told no you can't do that you have to go I don't know open a supermarket I'm like mm-hmm. no I, to. I won't do it <laughs> so yeah I, I'm sorry for him I'm glad he's found happiness um me too me too no it's uh but um how long does it generally take you to write a first draft of a book um usually around six months mm-hmm. um sometimes no, usually about six months to write the first draft and then I will in an ideal world fiddle with it myself for another month or two and then give it to someone give it to the editor mm-hmm. so somewhere between six and nine months and then it'll take another three to six months to the, go around the editing process okay I mean in yeah. theory I do a book a year that's the mm-hmm. that's my goal so what's what's next for you um I have another book coming out in uh, the spring summer of 2024, which mm-hmm. doesn't have a title yet. Otherwise, believe me, I would be mentioning it. Um, <laughs> it is not, it is another typical Waxman book, um, but it is not about Larchmont. It doesn't have any of any continuing characters. So I'm terrified that people are going to burn it in the streets. Um, <laughs> no Nina, no Polly, no, none of those people appear in it. It's about a young woman who is a scientist and who is living and doing her work on an island off the coast of Africa, when she receives word that the father who disappeared many, many years before he was a naturalist, like a TV naturalist, like a David Attenborough or a Bear Grylls or something, character like mm-hmm. that, uh, died and disappeared in a plane crash 25 years earlier. And it turns out that he is completely alive and uh, is on his way back. So the book starts there and it rolls out. Oh, that sounds yeah. very interesting. okay last last question for you we have one minute left here what's the best part of being a woman to you oh tits (laughs) are you kidding that was so not what I was expecting (laughs) no question you kidding tits this is the best part anyone who tells you otherwise lying this is the best part they're so cute they're so there they're so right there they're right there where you can put your hands on them at any moment like this just great any time of the day, I can just touch myself on the boobs and be like, there they are, the ladies. Well, there. Aren't I lucky? Not to say that if I had to have them lopped off for some reason, that they wouldn't, it wouldn't be suddenly sad uh, to not have them anymore. I'm sure it would be sad. But um, yes, that is my favorite part. <laughs> well, Abby, I can't thank you enough for speaking with me today. And um, I fully encourage people to go to their local bookstore or library, whatever, and find Abby Waxman books because you will be delighted. And so thank you very much. Thank for you. Speaking it's, with been me. A, it's been a pleasure as yeah. always. I look forward to doing it again sometime. Yes. Thank you.